Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation is the mercenary geologist, Mickey Fulp. Sir, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me once again, Maurice. Mickey, in our last interview, we discussed part of your investment thesis entitled Power of Two, uh, which we have listed on our, our education tab for our subscribers. In that interview, you covered structure, people, and property. Today, I'd like to focus more on the property side of your thesis. And on behalf of our subscribers, we would like to have you address some important foundational topics that are paramount for speculators in the natural resource space. And Mickey, I know you enjoy informing and educating the layman and to help them become a better and more successful speculator in the junior resource sector. Therefore, can you share, is it possible to maintain a conservative approach as a speculator in junior mining companies? Uh, absolutely, an unequivocal yes on that question. Uh, this is arguably the highest risk, highest reward venture capital market in the world. So you must, in my opinion, take a conservative approach to buying and selling these stocks. And uh, it's not that hard to do. I mean, look at it. There's 1,450 mining and engineering companies listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange and the Toronto Big Board. And so the trick is to reduce those down to something you can evaluate and decide what you want to be an owner of. Um, so I have methodologies first to reduce that to 5%. So that's less than 100 companies. And right now I own about 2% and uh, around 30 companies. And that's pretty typical for me. So you've got to be able to do that. And I take that as a, as a conservative approach. You're eliminating 98% of these companies. And then we apply the power of truth to trading methodology, which is a very conservative approach. Now, part of the evaluation process, I, I'm going to ask you, do you use the database called CDAR? I probably seldom use CDAR except for company filings. And that happens when their websites are not complete, where they don't have the notice of their annual general meeting or their financials or their uh, management and discussion analysis, commonly called uh, an MDNA, so I do not go to CDAR unless the website is incomplete. Uh, CDAR would be uh, the acronym for System for Electronic Document Analysis and Retrieval, and it's exactly equivalent to what is called EDGAR in the US. Uh, I should mention that the uh, a website that is probably more important to me is called SEDI, S-E-D-I, and that's where you can look at insider holdings and trades, and that's very important. When it comes to projects, we often hear companies convey they have a flagship project. Can you define for us what is a flagship project? That's the one that's most perspective and where their dollars in the ground uh, should be going. So uh, uh, I think it's fundamental that every company have a flagship project or in case of larger companies, several flagship projects. 
All right. Now, does the duration it takes for the company to find this flagship project factor into your decision, or are you more concerned that once they identify the flagship project and their ability to make it come to fruition? Well, I generally would not speculate in a company that are that did not already have a flagship project, unless it was a so-called prospect generator, and uh, I've soured on that model uh, quite. Uh, robustly during the downturn in metal space. I'm no, no longer enamored with the prospect generator model, but uh, certainly the, um, the time frame that it takes to advance a project is critical because a junior generally has a five to seven year lifetime uh, before they restructure, uh, go bankrupt, uh, roll back, kick out management, start all over with a new project. So uh, for that reason, I'm not usually very fond of big projects uh, such as porphyry copper projects where there's only one exit strategy, i.e. sell to a major mining company. And that process to get it big enough uh, generally takes 10 years. So most juniors, unless they have very savvy management, uh, should not get into that space in my opinion. Now, what are some red flags that usually catch your eye on a flagship pro uh, project? Well, you can change a lot of things, but there's two things of any project that you cannot change. Uh, we can mitigate the engineering, we can do this and that, but you cannot change the geology and you cannot change the geography. So those are two of the first things I look at. I look at the metal, I look at the geology, I look at where it's located, I look at the grade. Um, so those are very key criteria. Now Mickey, I know you like to filter the truth from promotion, so I have a twofold question here. Do you accept the information presented on a company website and what features uh, must a company, you know, uh, flagship project have to attract your attention? Well, I think I would generally give a company, a new company, and I'm looking at the benefit of the doubt, but my uh, so-called BS meter is set pretty high. So uh, I can recognize things that are wrong and dig for uh, more information a lot of times from, from, the, uh, from the website. Um, features that a flagship project needs to have, well, uh, it's got to be the right metal, something I'm interested in. That generally amounts to a metal or a, a commodity that is traded in, in U.S. dollars on a, on a world market uh, with futures and options. Um, it would need the right geography. I am very adverse to geopolitical risk. Um, I avoid probably at this stage about four out of five countries in the world because uh, we've talked about this before, I think, about geopolitical risk and um, I generally do not play in Africa, seldom in Asia. Uh, I do accept the Americas, certainly. Uh, North America, Canada, Mexico, U.S., select countries in Latin America, specific countries in Europe, 
uh, Scandinavia, for example. Uh, so from that point of view, you want to have an advanced project with the right metal, high grade, infrastructure, uh, not remote, the right management, etc. is a variety of factors. All right, we'll get to grade here in just a minute for our listeners. Two-fold question here again. Do you prefer speaking to investor relations, the CEO, or the geologist? And can you share specific questions that you'd like to have answered? And why is it for, important for speculators to take in a proactive approach such as yours? Well, I seldom talk to IR except to set up a meeting. I need to talk to uh, a technical person. And if that's the geologist uh, or an engineer that is not the CEO, that's fine. If the CEO is a banker or ex-broker or an accountant, I certainly want to uh, involve the highest level of technical expertise in the company. Uh, a lot of times the CEO is a geologist so uh, or an engineer. Uh, specific questions, geez, I have so many questions that I ask people. Uh, I would encourage people, uh, listeners, to go to my website and look at the uh, 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 subscription base. It's free, and if you're free as a subscriber, I can give you access to my company evaluation template. And with that being said, Mickey, please share that website for us. Uh, MercenaryGeologist.com. So you go there on the left side, uh, click on my uh, a banner right underneath my mugshot, and you give us a name and an email address. You can fake your name. I don't care, but you have to give me a correct email address, and then you have access to all our content and my stock picks and uh, if you send me an email after you've done that um, with evidence that you are a subscriber i.e. a notice you receive from us I'll send you the company evaluation template. Well on behalf of all of our listeners thank you. Now this question here may be slightly geared to the financial side but let me ask you this as well. How important is the net present value known as NPV? Well, on an advanced project that has gone to pre-feasibility or feasibility studies, it's paramount. Uh, I generally would not look at a com- at a project or a company that does not have an NPV much greater than a capex. Uh, I'm usually looking for one and a half or two times uh, the capex. Um, for me to have continued interest in the project. And what about the internal rate of return, also known as IRR? Well, that's also paramount, and that's the same sort of criteria. It comes hand-in-hand hand with the net present value in any uh, rigorous financial analysis. Um, so I'm looking for projects that have a 20% or greater IRR, internal rate of return, after tax with a reasonable discount. Uh, you know, 5% discount is not reasonable. You can't build a project anywhere in the world uh, at 5% discounted dollars. No one will loan your money for a project that must let less than 10%, 10 to 12%. So uh, these companies that run 5% discounts are just trying to make uh, sub-economic projects look better than they actually are. So uh, 
you know, running pre-tax MPVs and IRRs makes no sense because uh, you're going to owe taxes on it. So, uh, you know, for every uh, for every failed mine, bear in mind there was a positive feasibility study. Now, for the lay speculator, let's talk about grade. And we hear this often when we, you know, hear an issuer discuss their grade. But can you give us at least a baseline when you're looking at gold, silver, copper, and uranium? Well, gold and silver uh, uh, grades are listed in grams per ton. And uh, let's do the math here. How many grams are there in a kilogram? 1,000. How many kilograms are there in a ton? 1,000. Therefore, a gram per ton is one part per million. Uh, it depends uh, on the project, its location, its infrastructure, whether it's open pit or underground. Uh, but generally, I would want uh, for what I would consider uh, a deposit that's going to make me look more than once as a rule of thumb. Uh, greater than one gram per ton for an open pit scenario, uh, somewhere uh, plus five grams per ton, depending on the mine, mining method, uh, five to eight grams per ton for an underground gold mining situ situation. Uh, there are no standalone silver deposits in the world, so uh, you know, you're generally looking at gold deposits with a silver credit or lead zinc deposits that a significant amount of revenue will come from silver. So um, silver is a bit irrelevant in, in a simple-minded analysis such as this. Um, copper deposits, uranium deposits, all base metals, all specialty metals are based in percent. What's a percent? Well, it's a part per hundred. Uh, per cent, so they're a hundred cents in a dollar, so a per cent is one one hundred. Uh, as a general rule of thumb, uh, for an open pit, a large open pit copper deposit, uh, they're way too low grade what you see out there right now. That's why so few are being developed. Uh, uh, you know, I'm involved in a copper company that has grades of 4% uh, uh, in a polymetallic deposit and 1% to 2% uh, along with cobalt in, a, uh, in a, an open pit and underground large copper deposit. So uh, I think what you want to look for, every good geologist knows that grade is king, and for me it starts with grade. Uh, high grade. If you have high grade, you can afford to to uh, accept the uh, the difficulties of mining and the problems that are not uh, recognized in a pre-feasibility study. It gives you some margin for error. And as we all know, uh, perfect does not exist in this world unless you're keeping score in a true-false test or a uh, multiple-choice test or a baseball player can pitch a perfect game or you can roll a perfect game 300 in bowling, but uh, perfect does not exist and perfect certainly does not exist in the mining industry.
Well, Mickey, again, thank you for giving us uh, your introspective into your uh, investment thesis here. Last question here for you. What did I forget to ask? I don't really know. Uh, you didn't ask me about my Twitter feed, at Mercenary Geo. We have 63,000 Twitter followers. Uh, we have 6,500 subscribers to the website. And uh, I would like to say that our interviews, uh, I'm contacted by people uh, from a different space that are in touch with you. So I really appreciate the opportunity to expand my listener and readership base uh, through these interviews. Well, we certainly appreciate your time as well, Mickey. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.